Great form by you hitting play on this podcast. Now, check out Same Racer, the brand new racing app for Same Race multi-tips. Same Racer. Download from the App Store and Google Play. Powered by Bluebet. Gamble responsibly. Call 1-800-858-858. Time on with Sam Edmund. Yes, good evening, everyone. We're now into time on on Monday, April 19. I'm Sam Edmund. I hope you've had a great day. If it's been a hectic one and you're just jumping in the car, the train, the bus, or even on the pushy on the way home from work, we're about to bring you up to speed on the latest developments in the world of sport. Indeed, we'd like to think this is your one-stop shop for the next hour and... If you haven't had the chance to have your say today and something from the weekend has stayed with you or left an impression on you, needless to say, the lines are open all show until 7 o'clock. 1300 736 736. Or if it takes your fancy, the temper text 0433 98 1116. On Twitter, the socials as they were, we can be found at time on SEN. But as we do each and every Monday night at this time, let's start with the bulletin board. Let's start with cricket, shall we? South African legend A.B. de Villiers says he is open to a return to international cricket at this year's 2020 World Cup in India. 37 years of age, A.B. de Villiers. He retired from international cricket in 2018, but he did say last year that he would consider a comeback if the World Cup was delayed due to COVID. Former Blackburn Rovers manager Steve Keane has been appointed interim coach of an embattled Melbourne victory following the sacking of Grant Brebner. Keane did join Victory's coaching staff in the off-season as an assistant to Brebner, but the Scotsman will now take charge until the end of the season after Brebner was axed in the wake of the last place victories, disastrous, was it ever? 7-0 drubbing to Melbourne City at Amy Park. What about world football? World football is in chaos at the moment with the long-mooted breakaway Super League gaining the support of a dozen powerful clubs. Now, overnight, Man U, Liverpool, Manchester City, Arsenal, Chelsea and Tottenham. They were the English clubs among the formation clubs chosen who released a joint statement announcing the new competition, which is set to start next year. That's a new 20-team comp, two groups of 10 playing in a group stage before a knockout tournament. Essentially, it stands as a direct rival to the UEFA Champions League, and it has been absolutely slammed across the globe as a greedy money grab. He's Manchester United legend Gary Neville. I mean, I'm a Manchester United fan and have been for 40 years of my life, but I'm disgusted, absolutely disgusted. I'm disgusted. I mean, Liverpool, they pretend, you know, you'll never walk alone, the people's club, the fans club. Manchester United, 100 years, born out of workers around here. And they're breaking away into a league without competition that they can't be relegated from. It's an absolute disgrace and honestly we have to wrestle back the power in this country from the clubs at the top of this league and that includes my club and I've been calling for 12 months as part of another group for an independent regulator to bring checks and balances in place to stop this happening. It's pure greed. They're imposters. 
Red Bull's Max Verstappen eased to victory in an incident-packed Emilia-Romagna Grand Prix, beating home Lewis Hamilton, who spun out, how rarely do we say that, spun out and slipped to ninth at one stage before coming home for second. Dan Ricciardo was sixth, again behind teammate Lando Norris. George Russell, Valtteri Bottas, well, they played the blame game after a huge crash on lap 33, put them both out of the race. And we're going to get a safety car now because that's Valtteri Bottas and George Russell who are out of this race and they look like they've had a big coming together as well. What the f- was he doing? Honestly, is he a f- to what? What the f- He went from the outside. There was space all the time for two cars, but uh, didn't make any sense that move. He obviously lost it and hit me. Oh, dear. So let's grab a jumper, shall we, as we do. We're in this together for the next hour. one 736 or 0433981116. This show exists because after a huge weekend of sport, Mondays are for musing, reflection, debating, arguing, passion. It all goes into the melting pot. Before we get into what's coming up for the rest of the show, let's go out to Northcote where George is uh, called in. George, you want to talk about the Saints? Yeah, look, Sam, how are you going? I'm going well, but how are you going? Are you of the Saints' persuasion? Yeah, I am, I am. And look, and I have to say, you know, the more sort of since that Thursday night's uh, slaughter, so to speak, you kind of reflect and you say, look, I think a lot of the media and people have been really you know, over-dramatising it to the point of how bad the Saints lost. I would have picked us losing maybe by 40-odd points. You have to look at it and say, Richmond will be thereabouts again this year. They're a side that just won the flag last year, again, very convincingly. They had two players missing from their 2020 uh, premiership uh, year. Um, They were never going to lose three in a row. The Saints had, once Webster went off the ground, eight of their starting 22. And... You know, the young, some of the young kids just couldn't cope under the pressure. And when they missed a few of those goals at the start, the avalanche came. You could actually sense it when you were there at the ground. So um, I think it's not all lost. I mean, we've got a harder draw than we had last year. But I think you need to be able to isolate and say, well, here's a team that's trying to push for the top eight again and maybe finish there. But are they a top four side? No, not as yet um, until you get you know, to a level where Hunter Clark and Copfield and these guys have played 100-plus games. Uh, I mean, if you look at Richmond since 2017, their players didn't start playing finals when they were 40 or 50 games. OK, they started blooding some kids in there like uh, Mark Graham and that, but they had a, 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 like a nucleus, a core of players who, Grimes and so forth, all played over 100, 150-plus games, and they were ready to start their own um, dynasty. So I think it's... Over, over the top with, with some of the stuff that's come out. And um, and I think the Saints, you'll find that after Port Adelaide, who is another team I think will probably challenge Richmond for the grand final, um, will start getting their season back when they get their players back as well. Appreciate the call, George. Bit of context from you, which is uh, which is always welcome. 86 points, so, geez, a bad loss. And uh, Rowan Marshall, he was sorely missed, wasn't he? Just to make Toby Nankervis accountable. He does push into your forward 50, Toby Nankervis, and he's a disruptor. Makes life difficult. Appreciate the call, George. What stirred you over the weekend in sport? What angered you? What excited you? What did you love? On the show tonight, we'll have the Coach's Corner, often the best press conferences of the week, I reckon, and they're never really explored. And we'll debut a segment tonight 
The Magoos report. Injuries have been the big talking point, haven't they? Five rounds into this season. So we'll bring you up to speed on who is putting their hands up in the second tier competition. So across the VFL, the Waffle and the Sandful. We'll also close out the show with our regular segment, of course. What grinds your gears? You know what really grinds my gears? Which, of course, is your chance to get something off your chest that you've stewed on all Monday. Work and life's got in the way. We'll play counsellor to whatever is grinding your gears from the weekend a little later in the show. Actually, incidentally, I've got a bit of a list myself. Some things that have been bugging me at around five. Before we get on to a story I wanted to share with you, and this story does come from the Just When You've Seen It All files. We'll bring you that in a minute. But let's go back to the open line because Ross has called in from East Malvern. Ross, you want to talk about the Super League? Yeah, yeah, Sam. I want to talk about the uh, European Super League and instead of some of the stuff that Gary Neville said about that as well, in particular uh, about this sort of uh, this power grab essentially by the big clubs in Italy, Spain, and England, mm. um, and how I think it is a real reminder, especially to football fans, uh, Australian rules football fans, also world game fans here. Um, the one country, the one big country that didn't sign up effectively this was, was Germany, and that's effectively a, a country where 51% of the clubs, or the big clubs, especially Bayern Munich, Borussia Dortmund, are owned by the fans. And the fans aren't really, as you can sort of see, the reaction's gone around the world. Fans aren't really a big fan of this. So I think it's probably a good indication for the people involved in football here to realise of all codes, that, you know, fans need to be passionate about these sort of things. And, you know, fans are essentially what make the club and, and what make you know, supporters are what make these teams so fantastic. Um, and, and they're a huge part of it. And I just think that this is one of these things where, unfortunately, you know, I go to Liverpool and Liverpool some seasons make the Champions League, some seasons they don't. But in this sort of format, um, there's no real repercussions and there's no real incentives for for teams like Leicester or West Ham at the moment to try and make the Champions League or try and make this European Super League. So I think it's, it's got a, it's got real indictments, but I think it might also be a bit of a, a ploy by some of these clubs to wrestle some, some more money out of FIFA or UEFA. Um, but I think at the end of the day, fans have spoken and fans of football in Australia especially have been calling for a promotion or relegation in, in Australian football in the A-League. Um, I think it's probably a renewed, renewed, renewed some calls for that. So I'd yep. like to see that a bit more open, a bit more open, you know, because everyone at the end of the day should be able to compete for a flag. That's what makes Aussie rules great. That you know we don't have one team winning flags or every year. It's, it's cyclical. So we don't want to uh, we don't want to end up like European soccer. And this European Super League is just going to entrench the rich clubs, and it's it's not good for football. But put it simply, it's really not good for football. It's a real worry, Ross. Appreciate your call. It's a seismic story when it comes to world sport. I mean, you mentioned promotion relegation. This competition, for the 15 founding members, there isn't any threat of relegation. So you've got teams like Tottenham and Arsenal. They're not even playing in the Champions League. They can enter this competition and all its supposed riches, and there's no relegation. Um, and the Premier League, for their part, have talked a big game with this. They're talking about not sanctioning any such competition. They've threatened um, to, to ban these clubs from playing in the Premiership. So they've got a big decision to make, too, whether they back up uh, their words with actions as well. But it's a rapidly evolving story, that one. I'm, I'm sure with SEN here, we'll keep an eye on that. Nathan, Jack and Mark, just sit tight for a minute. I'm going to get to you shortly. But I just wanted to start the show as well with something that uh, I've discovered over the course of the weekend, as I said before, this one from the Just When You've Seen It All files. Admittedly, it's a little strange, but 
I'll share it with you now. The AFL has sent a memo to clubs warning them over their use of pickle juice. That's right, pickle juice. Now, in a development that has some clubs in a pickle, the league has told them that their players must stop spitting the liquid onto the field of play. Players across the competition, as many of you will know, regularly use pickle juice to, of course, avoid cramping in games. But... Because the research shows it only needs to be gargled to hit the, the doctors tell me, the neural receptors at the back of the throat to ward off cramp, it is often spat out on the turf. No big deal, you might say. Well, that's not the case with the groundsmen around the country because the practice of spitting out the pickle juice on the turf has angered them and they've complained to the AFL that the regurgitated pickle juice is actually causing unsightly grass burn. A bit like when the dog takes away on your grass at home. So in a move that has bewildered clubs, though, the league has actually suggested that they purchase spittoons or a similar receptacle, if you like, for the players to spit into. So some club chiefs are baffled that while the AFL conducts its ticket trials and such to convince the Victorian Health Department that's ready for capacity crowds in this co world, at the same time, it's also asking staff members, we assume, to dispose of spit buckets. Crazy story. But I don't know what you think. Maybe it's not such a big deal. Nathan's in Clayton. He wants to talk about the Saints as well. How you doing, Nathan? Yeah, good, mate, Sammy. How are you, mate? Hey, I'm good. Sorry for the puns there. I just couldn't help myself. Uh, back to more serious topics. So what about the Saints? Yeah, no, it's a funny story, the pickle thing. I wonder how that actually works there. I think you have to get salt, uh, salt pickled cucumbers, not vinegar pickled cucumbers for that. Uh-huh. Work. Well, some um, actually, you make a good yeah. point, Nathan. I'm not a pickle juice uh, user, but many of you might play community sport who swear by it, and, and it works for you. If anyone has uh, got an experience with pickle juice, give us a call, one three hundred seven three six seven three six. But, Nathan, I digress. What's on your mind? Yeah. Um, look, I, I'm a Saints fan, and... Uh, I wanted to sort of get on the radio to send a message out to uh, to my other Saints fans out there because I've been a little bit disappointed with the way that we've been acting as a collective over the last oh, four or five days since uh, since Richmond and I've been on the forums on the internet and everyone seems to be getting stuck into uh, Mr Bradley Hill there. Mm. Um, not 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 so much for his uh, on field performance, which yes is lacking maybe through his fault or maybe through our teammates' fault, but. Yeah, there's, there's a lot of other guys on the field that seem to uh, seem to be suffering just as much as he is, and the forums don't seem to be attacking his uh, his football prowess, but but his personal character. He's getting stuck into his weight and his salary and uh, his even his cultural uh, leanings, and to the point where his girlfriend, his partner, has to come out on social media and defend the bloke and say, you know. And, and they've actually dished Melbourne. They've, they've flown out of Melbourne just to try and escape all this badgery. And, and, you know, we need to be behind the boys now more than ever. We can't be turning on ourselves and turning on our club. It's, it's really disappointing. I mean, and to, to say this from a St Kilda, we should be used to disappointment. We should be used to getting up, getting that glimmer of hope and being shut down again. And, and we're not acting like we usually do. And two weeks after Spud's game, I'm pretty bloody disappointed in us. Thanks for the call, Nathan. I agree with you. The, the Stephen, uh, Stephen Hill stuff, the Bradley Hill stuff is a ridiculous pile-on. Gee whiz, it's, uh, but that's, that's what happens, isn't it, with the high profile, the highly paid recruits. But, um, gee whiz, they've come for him unfairly. So I would argue, yes, he's out of form, but geez, he's got some mates in that space. Appreciate your call, Nathan. Jack in Ballarat, Mark in Bacchus Marsh. Just sit tight for a moment. We'll come to you. We just need to clear a break. We'll get to your calls on the other side of that on time on, as well as, 
I want to ask you if the AFL have got a, a jumper clash incoming here for Anzac Day. What did you make? Have you seen Collywood and Essendon's Guernseys for Anzac Day? Have we got an issue inbound there? We'll talk about uh, where things are at with the AFL's Please Explain for Collingwood with their use of mobile phones, of course. And I want to talk to you about the injury rates at clubs at the moment. Have we got an issue here? I watch this space when it comes to the injury rates that we're seeing and the quality of players missing and the injury lists across the competition some five rounds into the season. But it's been great to have your company so far here on Time On. More of your calls, more of your texts as well on the other side of this break. It's great to have your company on a Monday night. Sam Edmund with you up until 7 o'clock. Some of your texts regarding the Super League. Massive news over in Europe and around world football. As a Chelsea fan, I think it's a disgrace these rich clubs are doing this. Closer to home, Chris. Knew it was all over for my pies when Howe and Dugowie went down. Losing because you're one or more men short is the most infuriating way to lose. I think it's a blight on the game that teams have to compete with less players than their opposition because only one injured player can be replaced. Chris going for the multiple medical sub option there. Ronnie, my prediction is that Morris Rioli Jr. debuts against Melbourne for the Anzac Eve game. Gee, that would bring a smile to many persons doll. Morris Rioli Jr. We will get to him in the Magoo report because he's already won some pretty big praise from the coach Damien Hardwick down there for the way he goes about it. In regards to the Saints, they didn't recruit Paddy Ryder to win a flag in five years. That's their issue. They took a shortcut and recruited for now. Jack's in Ballarat. Geez, he wants to talk about an evergreen champion of the AFL. How are you doing there, Jack? Yeah, good. Thanks, Sammy. Thanks for taking the call, mate. Um, and I'll just, before I talk about Dave Monday, I'll just talk about the pickle juice that you spoke about before. Yeah, yep. it, it is by far the worst thing I've ever tasted. Um, I get severe cramping when I play footy and I have to take it. I reverted back to the old-fashioned way of just having the jar of Vegemite on the bench and taking the swig on it with my finger during the game because pickle juice is the worst thing I've ever tasted. So I can understand why the players are spitting it out. Yeah, um, I think I think it's a bit harsh on Dave Mundy because I think if he was playing at a Melbourne club, he'd, he'd bit like a fellow Freo um, player, and I'm a massive Freo fan in Matt Pavlich. I think he's going to go down in the game and not get the recognition that he deserves. But I just think he's the Benjamin Button of the AFL world at the moment. We've seen it uh, a couple of years ago with Gary Ablett. Um, you know, he come back and did it. But Dave Mundy this year has probably been the reason why we've won all three of our games that we've won so far. Um, I've been to the two games in Melbourne this year and watched us play and... Um, I think we just got outplayed on against uh, different teams. But I just think that his ability to control the ball and to go into the middle when the whips are cracking, like he did on Sunday, um, and pick up the ball that he did. But not only that, his delivery inside Ford 50 is elite. Um, and I think he is a catalyst to push for us for finals. But I think also... This is the last year we see of him because I think he deserves to go out on high like he is at the moment. 
No, well said. Absolutely well said. He's got uh, Matthew Pavlich's Fremantle Games record in his sights as well. 353 games. Uh, Matty Pavlich set the bar there. David Mundy, I think, on 337. Season number 17. And I'm with you. He was a big reason they got up over the Crows, uh, what he did late in that game. The cream really rose to the top. Appreciate your call, Jack. He's been magnificent for a long period of time for Fremantle as David Mundy. Uh, the AFL just quickly have ticked off the Guernseys, designed by Collingwood uh, and Essendon for Anzac Day's uh, game this Sunday. They think there won't be a jumper clash there for the biggest home and away game of the season. Who saw these jumpers today? Essendon's Guernsey's been out for a while, of course. Traditional black with a red sash, which is made up of poppies. But Collingwood, who released theirs today, is actually pretty dark. The stripes are certainly more grey than they are white. Smart, smart kit, but darker than normal. Now, the league says there'll be no issue once Essendon don the white shorts, but the back of the jumpers are both completely black as well. It might not be a big deal, but it has certainly raised some eyebrows with a lot of you today. So watch this space on that one. You'd hate for there to be a jumper clash on Anzac Day, of course. Mark is in Bacchus Marsh. Mark, you want to talk about the doggies who are absolutely flying? Yes, my friend. How are you going? Uh, going well. You're up and about? Oh, uh, look, I'm just, you know, keeping it under control <laughs> and uh, know that the end of the season where you've got to be playing well, not the start of the season. Right. So, what's, what's on your mind then for your undefeated dogs, Mark, at the moment? There's one player that I want to see back in in the doggies lineup. Now, you couldn't get him in because they were all playing so well. So I understand that. Mm-hmm. This guy, I don't care, and I'm going to be real arrogant here, I don't care what anyone says. He's the best set shot, set shot for goal in the AFL. His name's Josh Shackey. Yes. Now, Bailey Williams, he went down with a shoulder. He's out for two to four to maybe six. I would bring Shackey in to play down back where Williams was playing. But there's more. That means that if Aaron Norton is having a stinker up front, because Norton is a pretty average set shot for goal, let's face it. It's not a natural kicking style. But he's a great defender. We know that after his first season with the Doggies. If Norton is having a shocker, or they have to throw Bruce in the ruck because we might have a ruckman go down, you can then throw Shackey forward. You can throw Norton back. Or you can play Shaki and Norton and throw Bruce in the ruck. It increases our flexibility, and it means that we have the best set shot kick for goal on the ground. And if he does float forward and take a couple of marks, he will convert. And if you check his numbers on his set shot, you'll see what I mean. He goes at 75% from set shots. He kicks three out of every four. That's the fact. And I don't think anyone else in the AFL can match that. But, you know, I'd love to see Shaki back in and I'd throw him down back. Just like a la, we had Jones playing for us, went to Carlton. They threw him down back. He was supposed to be a forward. Yep. Now look at him. He's virtually an all-Australian backman. Well, so, well said, Mark. No, well said. We'll get to the... Those players that you mentioned in the Magoo's reporter at a 6.30. Footscray uh, uh, played Gold Coast at the weekend. A number of players put their hand up. You did mention Josh Shackey there. You also mentioned Carlton. Now, haven't the Blues been a, a talking point on Monday today? And you suspect it's going to be the case right throughout the week about where they sit in the pecking order. A season of uh, pre-season of so much promise. Indeed, we were told from everyone at Princess Park that the time for development was over. It was a bad loss at the weekend. They're two and three. They get another chance against a big interstate club in Brisbane at the weekend, but it was the manner of the defeat to Port Adelaide that it would have left Carlton supporters with that dreaded familiar feeling. Before we get to Daniel in Elwood and Raf in Meadow Heights, this is how the discussion around Carlton played out today. 
Yeah, I suppose frustration's a word. I think we're looking for learnings and, and uh, against the good sides, you can't hang in there and, and beat them when you're not at your best. You need to be at your best and, um, yeah, we've got to get better. These are the games you want to play in. Like, you want to play in these games and you want to compete against the best. Now, at the end of the day, you want to beat the best and that's what we've got to get to. And right now, today, it tells us that we're not there yet and uh, we get another opportunity next week against Brisbane. Great challenge for us. Behind the scenes, yeah, so is, is he giving it to them like he needs to? Because I'm a Carlton fan and I hear all this positivity coming out on another performance and another year that looks like a failure. I'm a bit flattered. I just wonder, though, are they building enough to get from where they have been to that next rung so that they can actually start to challenge for a flag? I don't think they're going to be challenging for a flag. I think they're improving, but I just don't know whether or not they're going to have enough improvement to actually be an elite team in the competition. I just don't see anything from this football club that gives me any pride in their performance. That's the only thing you can read into trading our big eight, that we're, we're there. We're, we're right to go. And they're miles from it. So as soon as you confuse your strategies, you go backwards. Is there another year of pain coming in 2019? Is there another year coming in 2020? And here we are in 2021 and we're still kind of talking about the same thing. When is it going to happen for Carlton? Because at the moment on that performance on the weekend, it doesn't sound like it's going to happen this year either. The Blues, two and three. I'm not sure. I heard Tim Watson say there they've improved. I'm not sure there's a lot of evidence to say they actually have improved from last year, the Blues. You might be different on that. You're welcome to have you say. one three hundred seven three six seven three six. I'm sort of more inclined to align myself with Kane Corns than I am Tim Watson in this particular debate. But I know what Daniel thinks in Elwood. Thanks for waiting on the line so patiently there, Daniel. Yeah, pleasure, Sam. Hope you're well, mate. And uh, obviously uh, gave you the call last week to talk about the recruitment of injured players. Interesting point for reflection after playing the power on the Saturday night. Took my old man first game at the G for a while and uh, won't lie, did leave at three-quarter time, thought it was going to become a 10-goaler. Right. The one thing, though, that kind of um, settled the next day was end of 2019, Ollie Wines wanted to come to the Carlton Footy Club and... At that point in time, mate, he was a club captain. He'd obviously had a water skiing accident or something earlier in the year. Form wasn't there. Finished twice runner-up in a B&F at Port. Um, and I just look at that as maybe a sliding doors moment. I mean, you just played the tape. There's been a lot of discourse about Carlton recruiting. And, I mean, I can talk about my anxiety with, with the money we're giving some of the blokes we brought in recently. But, um, yeah, I wanted to get your thoughts on that. And, and I just think... If you had Ollie Wines in the Carlton midfield, I mean, the guy's got a, a pretty strong heart, was a Carlton supporter growing up, and it just feels like that might have been the biggest miss, I guess, of this entire rebuild era for the Navy Blues. Yeah, no, appreciate the call, Daniel. Well, the Blues discussed it, but not for as long as you might have thought they would for someone like Ollie Wines. Now, if you go back to that exact point in time, to cut a long story short, they were heavily invested. In fact, they were all chips in on getting Tom Papley to the club. They had a, a need for speed. They really needed speed in. They wanted Jack Martin as well. They obviously got the latter. Couldn't nail Tom Papley with the former that was obviously tied up with the Joe Danaher standoff and the likes. They couldn't get Tom Papley in, but they'd gone too far down that track with those two players and 
Ollie Wines approaching, or people on behalf of Ollie Wines, as you suggest, approaching the Blues was a, was unexpected for Carlton, and it came at a delicate stage. They had their eggs in another basket, but I agree with you. Having him uh, on ball alongside Paddy Cripps would make uh, for a fearsome duo, wouldn't it, in the Carlton engine room? Having said that, they really did need speed. In fact, they still do need some polish, don't they? That was a big issue. Not contest the ball at the weekend if you're a Blues supporter. It's the way they go inside 50, the polish and the skill difference was just so stark when it came to Port Adelaide and the way they won that game. Uh, we'll talk injuries as well. Some developments there, unfortunately. Lance Franklin's going to miss uh, up to a month of football with bone bruising as well. We'll have the latest with Collingwood. Western Bulldogs have got some issues as well. And Adam Chera, um well, he's in doubt as well for Fremantle. They're holding their breath with him that he hasn't suffered the dreaded syndesmosis injury. So we'll break down who's missing. We'll break down who might come in. The Magoo's report is next. We'll also delve into Coach's Corner as well. Rafi Meadow Heights, sit with us. I know you want to have your say on Sam Walsh. We'll get to you on the other side of this break. Yes, welcome back to Time On. Just mentioned Lance Franklin before the break. Gee, that salted the wound for John Longmore and company after that bitterly disappointing loss to GWS at the SCG. He's going to miss up to a month of football with some bone bruising just when he got a real head of steam up too, buddy. Five goals and that loss to the Giants, but he copped the knock in the third quarter. And as I say, he's going to be sidelined for a few weeks now. Will he get to a 1,000 goals this season? It's going to be tough now, isn't it? Relatively good news out of Collingwood, who sit one and four ahead of that Anzac Day clash with Essendon, who have the same win-loss record. Jeremy Howe won't miss months of footy with a hamstring injury because, well, scans have revealed he instead disrupted scar tissue from an old knee injury, causing some bleeding. So the Pies are hopeful he'll be back within a month. And Adam Chera, I mentioned the Dockers are confident, hopeful that he's dodged a bullet with that ankle injury and it's not a syndesmosis problem there. And Bailey Williams for the Dogs has undergone surgery on a fractured collarbone which has set to sideline him for up to four weeks. He has been in great touch down back for the Dogs. We'll talk about the Magoo's report next, who might be coming in. But, Raf, you've been ever so patient. You want to talk about Sam Walsh from the Blues? Hey, mate, how are you? I'm going well. Um, I do want to talk about Sam Walsh. I, look, he's become, I think, elite in that midfield role. I reckon the five games this year, he's probably got polling in the votes. I reckon Carlton needs to pull the pin and start saying, yep, give him captaincy. Joel Sowell was the young captain. He's a star. Stephen Kernan, I think he was 21 when he was a captain. I reckon take the captain off Cripps and Doherty, let him play footy and give it to a young up-and-coming superstar and take that team somewhere where they should go. Not a bad call, Raf. Pretty early, though, isn't it? Gee whiz. Um, but I get your logic. I just think Sam Walsh just might need a little bit more development before you burden him with the captaincy. But, geez, you're right. He's absolutely flying. Uh, he's polled uh, Coaches Association votes in four of the five games he's played this season. I think he got another four in the loss to Port Adelaide as well. So certainly having a fantastic campaign. Before we get to the Magoo's report, Donna's called in from Alfington. How are you doing there, Donna? Hi, Sam. How are you? I'm good, thanks. Yeah, thanks for taking my call. Um, long-time listener, first-time caller. And um, just been hearing the discussion on Carlton, Carlton supporter myself. And mm. I'm just curious, from your perspective, around the discussion around the development of Carlton. So, in, in my mind, I've seen probably two players elevate this year, which, but one being Walsh going to the next level and the second one being Jack Silvani that I think has taken a real step forward, albeit he's obviously had some injuries, but when he's played, I think he's done quite well. And I'm, I'm just interested in your perspective around where you, where you've seen the development because sadly I've 
perhaps haven't seen it to the extent that I would have liked to have seen it. And I'm just curious on your perspective around where you've actually seen any development, because I, I suspect it might be a little bit um, more overrated in some respects than perhaps what I've seen to date. And I was just curious to get your perspective on it. No, I'm with you. I'm with you, Donna. I think it's really hard to find evidence collectively that the side has improved. And we've seen five games, granted, but... I haven't seen a lot from a team perspective that says this club is going to make a, a significant jump or has improved much this year at all. I mean, Liam Jones had a shocker on the weekend, but prior to that, he'd been a lot more assured down back, and I know he had a decent year last year. He'd been good. Sam Walsh, you mentioned, has gone to another level. But then if you're looking at existing players, it is really out. I think Zach Fisher, before he got injured, might have been set for, for a great campaign as well. But then the rest of them, it's hard to find a player that's made a, a meaningful jump. There was a lot of hype around Paddy Dow in the preseason. That hasn't come to fruition. We're still waiting on the likes of Tom Williamson. Uh, Lockie O'Brien can't get in the side. Um, Harry Mackay is still a young, developing key forward as well. I'd love to see uh, DeConning in the ruck. His sideline, unfortunately, at the moment. And then you go to the players that they've brought in. I think Lockie uh, Fogarty's actually offered quite a bit in the role that, that he has played. Um, but geez, it's thin on the ground, isn't it? Finding players who have taken the jump. Um, and I'm with you. I, th- I think you've named all the players. There wouldn't be another one that I would go to, Donna, which is uh, which is the indictment at the moment. Um, appreciate your call. Thanks for doing so. The Magoo's report. So we've talked a lot about injuries this year and the players who are out. I mentioned we were going to debut the Magoo's report, which we'll do in e- each and every Every week, cast our eyes around the second tier competitions to talk uh, players who might be putting their hand up, if you like. Now, we got a text a little bit earlier about Maurice Rioli Jr. He kicked the two goals for Richmond against Sandringham at the weekend, but that's not why he turned heads. It was his tackling pressure, all the things that Damien Hardwick absolutely loves that have this guy against the odds, it must be said, because they weren't expecting a lot of him early. They thought he was a fair way off the pace, but he's got his hand up. He's well and truly got his hand up at the moment. A, a debut could be coming sooner rather than later. Paddy Nash, 32 touches and a goal. Riley Collier-Dawkins, who is the high draft pick who's seen a lot of players go past him, still hasn't made his AFL debut all those years after uh, being taken in the first round of the draft. 30 touches for him. Jack Ross, 32. What about Sean McKernan for the Saints? He kicked 4-2 to go with 23 touches. Now, hot off the back of a smashing at the hands of Richmond. I wonder if Brett Ratton might be tempted to bring Sean McKernan back into the fold. At the Dogs, obviously, they've got Bailey Williams to replace there. So Zane Cordy, 16 touches, could be Williams' replacement there. Josh Shackey did kick five goals, four at the other end. Hard to see Josh getting a look in, such as the depth of uh, key forward stocks at the Dogs at the moment. Lin Jong, 24 touches and a goal. Hey, GWS, Jesse Hogan, three goals and eight marks as well. So I think he's been uh, pumped up a bit in the last 24 to 48 hours, so we'll see if Jesse Hogan comes in. Just on the Blues, Liam Stocker was uh, the young talent, the the kid that they took with that, uh, well, novel trade approach, swapping of draft picks, of course. They gave up a fair bit to get him. Where is he? Well, he's playing for the Blues VFL level. He played against Southport at the weekend. 38 possessions, 13 marks. So those 38 possessions, 31 of them were kicks, and he kicked a goal as well. At Casey... 
What a great problem Simon Goodwin's got at the moment. Sam Wiedemann's gone out and kicked seven goals. Ben Brown's kicked three. Neville Jetta had 25 touches in the midfield. You'd think Sam Wiedemann comes in, and then how do they make it work, and how do they balance it up, and what do they do with Ben Brown, who perhaps might need a little bit more football. Over in the Waffle, not a great deal to talk about there. Braden Ainsworth, 32 touches and a goal in West Coast, lost to Swan Districts. Connor Blakely had 25 possessions uh, for Fremantle. In the Sandful, Tommy Rockliffe can't get into this Port Adelaide side, even with the injuries they had uh, going into the Carlton game, he had 41 possessions, if you don't mind, in the Sandfall, racking them up. And uh, Young Himmelberg, best on for the Crows in there. Uh, big loss to Woodville, West Torrens. One goal to go with 15 touches and the 10 marks. Luke's rung in from Sydney. Luke, you want to think you want to talk about the Anzac Day jumper clash. I- is there one? Can I make a promise to you, Sam? Yes. I promise you that either the team, one of the teams will change their jumper before the game or they will change at halftime. If you pull up the, <laughs> if you pull up afl.com.au right now, the header photo is Dyson Heppel and Scott Pendlebury in these. They're both very nice jumpers. Don't yes. get me wrong. Yes. They are exactly the same. They're similar, aren't they? This will be, this will be utter carnage for the <laughs> AFL. I've seen this movie before. I'm a big super rugby fan. It happens every second week. A blue team wear a blue jersey against another blue team and they end up changing at halftime. It happened in the cricket two weeks ago, which admittedly it's a bit less impactful when you have a batting and a bowling side in Pakistan v South Africa. They changed uh, halfway through the game. I promise you that the game will not be completed in these two Anzac jumpers. Well, Luke, I promise you they won't change at halftime, but whether they change between now and the first bounce, we'll wait and see. Certainly the AFL, they're describing it as a non-issue. They've ticked it off. They say Essendon will wear the white shorts. Uh, They'll be all fine. Nothing to see here. I'm more inclined to side with you, though. I think this is a potential problem. There's a lot of black in those jumpers, and the last thing you want, how we still can have jumper clashes in today's sport is beyond me, but nevertheless, it's uh, well, it's a pretty well-worn topic in the AFL, isn't it? Appreciate the call, Luke. Just before we get to the break, we've got time to go to Sunshine and have a chat with Les in the Western Melbourne, Western Bulldogs territory there, Les. What's on your mind with the doggies? Um, I'm going to grab a thing from uh, the previous, uh, the Pox and Rocks section of your previous program. Yes, Bob and Andy. And and I'm going to go with uh, Rocks because the doggies, I'm, I've been a doggie, I'm 66 years old, I've been a doggie, I was in the cheer squad when I was 10. Um, and I'm so happy that we're not getting the media, print or radio, we're flying under the radar. It's all about Carlton, Collingwood, Melbourne, Richmond, etc. And 2016, just remember it. <laughs> Good on you, Les. Appreciate the call. Uh, late Pox and Rocks entrant there from Les. And Les, I think the Western Bulldogs, though, mind you, have been getting plenty of love. Maybe it's a bit of bad news sells, but certainly the Western Bulldogs of Melbourne have had plenty of fans, and uh, I think they've earned a lot of praise in the early part of this season. Going to be fascinating to see how they fare. Just off the text, Morris Rioli looked way off it when he was first drafted, but has obviously thrived in a professional environment. He's developed physically, and he's so quick and explosive, really exciting. Travis, 
Just had a look at the jumpers. No issue at all. Big red sash is fairly obvious. That's Travis's opinion there. I want to get to grinds my gears on the other side of our last break. You might have one. one 736 What's bugged you from the weekend of sport? Happy to play counsellor here. I've got a couple myself. It's your chance to vent on time on as we do each and every week. We'll be back with what grinds your gears after our last break here. You know what really grinds my gears? Time on. You know what really grinds my gears? No! God, please, no! No! I just think somebody owes us an explanation, that's all. Are you too good for your home? Answer me! Yes, it's time for what grinds your gears. Let's not muck around, shall we? Let's go straight out to Wallen. Sean, what's been bugging you, mate? Damn, how's it going? It's been a while. It's been a while. Good to hear your voice. Yeah, um, I'm just uh, ringing about Thailand. Um, I'm a very optimistic Collingwood supporter. Everyone knows me, usually, usually abuses me about when we lose. But I know Bucks has been... Oh, we might have lost him. We might have lost Sean. Apologies, Sean. Call back in. Uh, you said Thailand. For a minute there, I thought you said Thailand. I thought, where are we going? Uh, but ring back in uh, when you can, Sean. Daniel's in Hampton. What's grinding your gears there, Daniel? Sammy, mate. Uh, grinding my gears this stupid nominate for Ruckman rule. Oh. oh, God. When you're seeing people that can't go for the ball or, you know, pay a free kick if there's two guys from the same team that go up. It's not that hard to do, but it's just ridiculous. It looks like... I don't know, but it looks like some sort of kiddie sport or something when a couple of blokes can't reach the ball and then somebody else touches it and they get a free kick given against them because it wasn't the guy that was nominated or some stupid thing like that. It's ridiculous. I hate it. I hate it. And I hate it coming through on the effects mics as well from the umpires saying, Daniel, Sean, Daniel, Sean, you're both going up. I mean, geez, if two go up, then just pay the free kick against. I mean, just throw it up. And it's up to the clubs to sort out and the players to sort out who's going up. I'm with you, Daniel. It's... Uh, it's uh, cringeworthy when you watch it You know it what sometimes. really grinds my gears? Sean's called back in. He's in Wallen. What's grinding your gears, Sean? We'll take All right. two. All right, I'm back. Um, yeah, Bucks has been pretty hesitant to play different types of players. Everyone wants change. And then all of a sudden, he starts throwing magnets around and things are looking good. We have a couple of injuries. I think it's looking at glass half full. At least we get to play a few players. Look, I know McMahon's a little bit far off. But the Collins supporters... Need to calm down. Just take a breath. Mm-hmm. We're not going to play finals this year. If we do, it's a miracle. But look at the development. It's a mini rebuild on the run. We have, probably won't win the next premiership with Sidebottom and Pendlebury, but just look at the kids that we're going to bring through and then look at Dacos. <laughs> he t- had 40 touches. He's averaging 34 disposals and four goals. He's coming in next year. Mm-hmm. Um, so, just calm down, pro supporters. You're grinding my gears. I've had enough. <laughs> very, very nice, Sean. Yeah, Nick Dacos has started the uh, NAB League season on absolute fire at the moment. You're right. He's kicking multiple goals, 35 touch pluses, uh, touches a week. He's slaying them. Uh, and you should be very excited about what he might offer you next year and, and for a long time to come. Jamie, you're down in Frankston. What's grinding your gears, Jamie? Oh, mate, the guys, they receive the ball and then they decide to bounce the ball after about one step and they don't look up and hit the forward. So the forward's gone on the lead and they have to stop, go back, re-lead, stuff the whole forward structure up. I mean, if they just look up and kick the ball rather than bounce it after three steps, oh, it really frustrates me. Yes, that's, a one, that's one you're... 
Yeah, good call, Jamie. I understand your frustration. That's one for the junior footy, isn't it? You always tell your, your kids you don't have to bounce the ball straight away. Hey, fixturing's grinding my gears, and probably not for the first time. Look at the fixture for this Sunday. Hawks, Crows, 12.30. Collingwood, Essendon, 3.20. Ports and Kilda, 6.40. Perfect. All standalone games. We don't miss a thing. There's no annoying overlap. Now, this is obviously done because it's Anzac Day, but I ask you... Why isn't this the norm on a Sunday? What's wrong with a 12.30 start? Nothing is the answer. Something else is grinding my gears as well at Hawthorne. Chad Wingard flopping for so many free kicks, he now doesn't get the ones he actually should get. It's boy who cried wolf stuff. And on the weekend, he was deserving of a couple, but I suspect because he's flopped so many times, there's a high bar that needs to be met for him to get a free kick. Hey, some breaking news, by the way, that's uh, just landed in uh, my email inbox. Port Adelaide forward Mitch Georgiades has been announced as this week's AFL NAB Rising Star nominee. 19 years of age, just his 11th game against the Blues. 15 disposals, that was a career high. Five marks, two tackles as well. And kicked a couple of snags too, which I think the pair have left off here. He's a beautiful set shot. Elite leap at the football and a great pair of hands. He's a bit like Oscar Allen at West Coast. He gets the chance to do his apprenticeship surrounded by some brutish teammates. What a great way to come through as a key forward. Um, and he's opposite number at the other end. Harry uh, Mackay hasn't had that. So Mitch Georgiades going to be a special career, I think. A lot to like about watching him. A smooth set shot routine. We had a bit of fun here at Time On, haven't we? Don't forget the pickle juice. Just don't spit it on the grass. It's going to burn the turf. That's a big issue. Appreciate your time this evening. Hope you have a great Monday night and a great rest of the week. And we'll see you back here for time on 6 o'clock next Monday night to run the rule over the weekend. Stay safe. We'll see you soon. Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au, predict Australia's score with a crystal ball, and it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semi finals, all thanks to McDonald's. Backers, together and loving it. TNCs apply.